Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. We are um, finishing up our Revival Month series today, which has been called Heal Our Land. I'll try to give you somewhat of an abridged version um, given the amount of ministry that's already happened today. But um, you might notice in my voice, there's a little, it's a little bit scratchy. I'm not sure if it's the airplane on the dry air or maybe the cold Melbourne and then the heaters were on and the dry heat and you're breathing that. I don't know if it's all the yelling and screaming at the conference and crying out to God, but it's maybe some combination. But um, I think we'd all agree When we look at, uh, in this series we've been on Heal Our Land, we look at our nation, uh, we've seen as a nation better days, at least in terms of our devotion to God. And we're we're beginning to see the consequences of the rebellion of our nation playing out to the degree that we are not even sure of our identity when it comes to our gender in male and female. It's like there's this giving over to sin and a rebellion against the image of God that's so dark and so ridiculous. Um, and I, and I, I just, I think, when is it going to end? And the reality is that it's not going to end until, until there is a response from the people of God. And we've been looking at Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. We can put that up on the screen We see in this passage what theologians call a conditional promise. Verse 14, if my people, which is followed by then I will. Most most of the promises of God, they don't just fall in in our laps. Uh, There are some promises that, that are higher than us personally. The promise of Jesus' return. There's the promise of the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's the promise of the fullness of the kingdom of God growing in the earth. But when it comes to whether or not we will participate in that, the promises of God are conditional upon our faith and our obedience. And the part that comes after the if my people in the passage that we've looked at. And so God says to Solomon here, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people, okay, so things have gotten really dark, verse 13, if there's a time when things are really dark and it seems that, that things are so bad that something supernatural must be behind it. There must be a dark darkness at work. He says, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. The healing of the land is promised, the the then, the, the promise, but it's conditional upon the if. If the people of God will do three things, God will likewise do three things. So God's people have to humble themselves, pray and seek his face, and turn from their wicked ways. So God wants, we've talked about this over the last few 
for the last few weeks. God wants our humility. He wants us to recognize our desperate need for him. He wants our hunger. He wants us to cry out to him. But he also wants our holiness. He wants us to turn from our wicked ways. And we've talked about humility and hunger, and today we're going to talk about holiness. So I've got one more passage of Scripture for you, 2 Corinthians 6, through the end of the chapter and then the first chapter of 2 Corinthians 7. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What Belial, by the way, is the, in Hebrew culture, it was a word that meant the personification of evil. It comes from a Hebrew word that means um, wicked, wickedness. What accord is Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out of their midst and and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. I want to talk about holiness in the presence of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love. Lord, we've um, heard a lot about your love. Haven't heard as much about your holiness. God, I ask that um, you would instruct us today. Would you bring a greater revelation of your holiness? Father, would you do what only you can do? Maybe just as you're in your seat, just begin to ask the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. Say, Father, would you reveal your holiness? Father, would you shine your light into my heart? What is it that is lurking in darkness? What's the source of the apathy? What's the source of passively pursuing you at best. Father, we want you to revive our hearts. We want our land to be healed. We know, God, you demand of us our humility. You want a a hunger, a spiritual hunger that goes beyond just a passive kind of sitting in the outer courts and and just hearing the, the, the music from the outside. It's like being at a concert but not being allowed in. We've been content with that. Just to hear the music, but not sit at your feet, not be intimate with you, not be in your presence, truly in your presence. Father, maybe we've been hiding things. Maybe there have been areas where the enemies gripped and ravaged our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you're here to heal. You're here to deliver. Lord, we recognize that There's something more of you we need to see. There's a part of you that we haven't seen that we need to see. And Lord, as we open up your word, I ask God that you would show that to us. No matter how terrorizing, no matter how painful, no matter how much it might shake us up. Father, would you have your way, reveal yourself. All of you, we want to see all of you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever noticed this kind of, I don't know, it's like this principle of life where like attracts like, you know, you, it's, it's actually a sociological, apparently it's been proven sociologically and psychologically that if you put like a hundred people together and just give it a couple days or weeks, the, 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 those people are going to form little groups of kind of like-mindedness. And so you're going to have all the bitter people who are going to find one another and they're going to hang out together and they're going to coddle one another in their bitterness and they're going to find one another because those people are also bitter and they're not going to challenge the bitterness. They're going to, they're going to coddle that bitterness. And then you're going to have other people that are going to gather together and they're going to have more of kind of this victorious or overcoming mindset. And, and you might have another group over here. It's this principle of like attracts like. And I think there's something of that in the spirit when it comes to our relationship with God, that there's a certain type of person that God is attracted to. There's something, uh, there, there's, there's something of people who have the likeness of God that have opened their hearts and their lives to a degree and allowed God to form him deeply in them that attracts his presence more greatly into that person's life. It's helpful for us to remember the context of 2 Chronicles, this passage that we just read. Remember, it was God visiting Solomon after the glory of God had fallen into this temple that, God, that, that Solomon had built. And Solomon prays his prayer of dedication of this, over this temple. But the reason that the glory of God fell in that temple was because Solomon went through this painstaking uh, process to meticulously design and build the temple according to the pattern because there was a certain pattern that was demanded of the place where the glory of God would come to dwell. God was not willing to come and dwell just any place, there was, there was meant to be a certain way of constructing the temple designed by God where his glory would come. There was a certain resting place of the glory of God, but it had to be a certain way. And so we see Paul then pick up on this theme of the temple of God in the passage that we read, 2 Corinthians 6 and into 7, but something very significant has changed. Do you know what that is? The temple is no longer this building that is made by human hands. The temple is now human physical bodies. And in the same way, Paul is saying, pointing to the temple, which was meticulously constructed, there was a place that was so holy, the holy of holies, it was the only place where God's presence would come and dwell. And in the same way, uh, Paul is saying that there is something that God wants to do in the hearts of his people that prepares the way for the presence of God to come and rest. And so 
There is a greater manifestation of God's presence that we can experience in all of our lives the more deeply we allow a holiness to be worked out in our hearts and in our lives. And so one of the most important things that we can see in this passage is that holiness grows in a heart that fears the Lord. What did the passage say? He speaks of bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. What is it that provokes a heart to fear the Lord? Why would anyone fear him? It's because there's a revelation of his holiness. It's a revelation of God's holiness. This, the, the Whatever it is that we see about him, the one who dwells in an unapproachable light, that causes us to tremble. That causes us to be in awe. It causes us to fear him. It's his holiness that causes us to fear him. I very distinctly remember the first time I was confronted with this feeling of God's holiness. I've shared with you the story before of being three days old in the Lord. And my friend comes over to get me high because that was what I used to do every day. And I hadn't smoked weed for three days because on the Sunday morning, I gave my heart to Jesus. Alone in my bedroom, I was convicted of my sin. And I had been counting the cost. And God brought me to this point of internal pain and turmoil and sense of need for God, this humility that broke me. And I said, I don't care what I've got to give up, Jesus. I just want you. I need you to save me. I'm not going to make it any longer on my own. And he did. And my buddy comes over. I invited him in, said, hey, I'm serving Jesus now. I'm not getting high anymore. He was like, all right, cool. But I'm like, don't let me stop you. You go ahead. And that was obviously dumb. But he's getting high. And I'm my, the, the, the lust of the flesh, which I didn't really know too much about. And the lust of the eyes is kicking in. I'm looking. I'm, I'm observing. I'm, I was wanting to participate. And I was like, here, man, let me just have a little. He's like, are you sure, man? I'm like, hey, that's cool. It's cool. I mean, even he knew I wasn't supposed to be getting high. He's like, why are you not standing on your convictions? I was actually, you were, you know, it's like maybe that was the moment. But to, to preach Christ in, but I got sucked in. And my friend left, and I felt something I had never felt. It was a weight of God's presence that wasn't him coming to, it wasn't a cuddle. It was not a cuddle at all. It wasn't a warm, and this was something that was very almost terrorizing. There was a weight that I felt. There was, there was almost a pain. It was a thick presence. It was a bit of a terrifying rebuke. And he said, son, if you're going to serve me, that cannot be a part of your life anymore. That, that, you can't worship at that idol any longer if you're going to serve me. Let me be the one that heals your soul rather than you having to escape from the pain. Let me, let me actually come and, and heal it. If God is not terrifying, then our sin has nothing to be afraid of. And if you are serving a God, if you're following a Jesus that doesn't terrify you, then you are following a Jesus of your own making. I'm sorry. That is the reality. The, the Jesus we see in the book of Revelation, the risen Son of God, terrified John. He, fall, fell, he fell on his face as a dead man. 
And so it is right and good to have moments of revelation of God, His holiness, that terrifies us. If we cannot embrace God's holiness as followers of Christ, then we are going to live very weak Christian lives and we are going to serve a God that has been shrunk down to our own size, a God that we can control, a God that we can, we can walk with and go through religious motions and, and, and make, him, make a God of our own making that's okay with us just compartmentalizing parts of our life that we can run to, to, um, to be our little idols when, that, that can meet these needs that we have rather than going to the one who is the only true source of healing. We see Ananias and Sapphira doing this. And it's easy to look at Scripture and see and say, oh, that, that harsh, terrifying, holy God is really the God of the Old Testament. Why don't, why don't you preach in the gospel? Preach the New Testament to me. But if we're really honest and we look deeply enough, we'll see stories that give us a glimpse that even after the resurrection of Jesus and the people of God are walking in this close, intimate fellowship as new creations in Christ, we have these moments where the church is terrified. Ananias and Sapphira, they dropped dead. And what was the result? There was this fear that gripped the church. And it gripped not only the church, it gripped all the people who heard about it. And so something shifted and changed. But it was a shift that, that, that awakened the church even more. And it's another chapter later. You see Stephen who is stoned. He's martyred. And then what happens after that? The church is scattered in persecution and takes the gospel throughout all of the Gentile world. On the other side of this even deeper revelation of the holiness of God. And I'll tell you, it frightens me to speak of this because I know that I am held to a higher judgment than you because I'm the one up here talking about it. It scares me. It frightens me. And I don't want to talk about this, but I, I feel how this, you got to say what the Holy Spirit is saying to say and to speak of. And I'm sorry, the old way, I mean, look, look what the, the message that we've embraced. Look what it's gotten us. Look, look where it's brought us. Look, look at the world around us. I mean, come on, we have got to embrace the God of Scripture. We, all of us, need to repent. We need to turn from the idol that we've made Jesus to be, who only will love us to the point in our mind where we think he will be happy with us to continue in our sin. But he's not. He calls all men everywhere to repent. That was the message on the day of Pentecost. Turn from your sin. Turn from your idols and serve the living God. And I sense in this hour, the Holy Spirit is doing something in his people in, in the church. And I even sense that God wants to prepare us for, for the middle of the month, this nation's conference, if you'll all come and join me there, where there's going to be something awakened in our city and in the church of, uh, of a deeper devotion to him. And it's, it's this tension because there's a sense it's so terrorizing, but 
when we'll just come and we'll just repent and lay it all out before him and just humble ourselves. Oh, just when you get these waves of his love and his cleansing and his acceptance. And, and this is what Paul's appealing to us over. If you'll just do this, you can know a depth of intimacy with him like you've never known before. He wants to elevate this view that we have of him, that we'd walk in a deeper holiness. And we can see in this passage, Paul is also trying to wake the Corinthian church up, not only to the holiness of God, but actually who they are. And so our holiness, it doesn't just flow out of the fear of the Lord, it flows out of a renewed understanding of who we are in Christ. And so God comes and he heals our proclivity towards sin by teaching us to live according to a new identity. The reason that we can walk into a holiness is because he's already declared us to be holy. We are positionally holy. When we embrace the positional holiness and the new identity we have in Christ, there is a behavioral holiness that we begin to walk in. This is why we've been doing the Supernatural Ways of Royalty course, because we want to awaken to the new identity that we have. But I'll be honest, some people haven't liked it very much. We've had some people leave our church over it because of things that came to the surface. I don't want to deal with that. Do you know how tempting that is? Things come to the surface in our hearts when we're awakened to new identity because we see who God's called us to be and we see the, the weak identity that we're living according to and we, I don't know if I want to come over there because I don't know if what, what's that going to mean and what part of my heart am I going to have, have to open up. And people make up all kinds of reasons why they want to disfellowship, but at the end of the day, it's because something got touched in the heart and it's too painful to deal with. And this is why... The, the foundation of holiness is humility. We have to have the humility and then the hunger, but it's the humility to say, I know I got some junk that I have to bring before the Lord. And I know that God's gonna wanna use some other people around me to awaken me to that and to help me to see it. But as we see the new identity, let's be drawn to that. Let's be drawn to it. What does he say here? Um, if we look back at the, the, the verse 14 of, of 2 Corinthians 6, he speaks of what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness. He's, he's speaking over a new identity, light with darkness, Christ with Belial. In other words, you are righteousness. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not to live in darkness. You're the light of the world. You are in Christ. What, what partnership does Christ have with the enemy? You're in Christ. Come out of darkness. Come into light. You are a, ch a child of the light. You, what, what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? You're a believer. You're a man. You're a woman of faith. Believe. What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? Why, why are you bringing idols into the temple? 
This is the place of the presence. This is the resting place of God. And so he's speaking a new identity and he continues and says what the prize is, is knowing God intimately as father. He says, God's calling you my people. You're God's precious, prized possession, sons and daughters of God. And we begin to embrace, embrace this new identity and it calls us and lifts us to a new holiness. And the process is painful. I'll, I'll agree with you with that. Pride, the pride of the heart wants to keep things hidden. There's a fear. There's a fear of, of rejection from people. There's, a, there's this desire to project that we're actually so much better off than we really are. But God's calling us to a greater holiness. This is why God calls himself a smelter. I should have looked up the passage because I forgot it, where it is. But A smelter is a purifier of precious metals. And one of the, the minor prophets, I believe it is, he, he, the, where God reveals himself as a refiner of precious metals. And we know the process of how a smelter, a refiner, uh, purifies precious metal it's by heating up that precious metal that gold that silver and what happens the impurities they rise to the top and then as they rise to the top then they can be skimmed off and then they it gets heated up again and it's this process of heating rising to the top skimming off heating it rising to the top skimming off and God brings Yes, there's sometimes challenges, difficulties in our life, pressure uh, that, that brings things to the surface. But I believe that God is bringing the, the fire of his holy presence amongst us more as a people that will cause us to, 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 to acknowledge the reality of what is, being, what is coming to the surface and what's, what's rising to the top so that we can be delivered. And so he'll allow us to feel the pain of our shame and the pain of our sin. And sometimes we'll run to that, run from that, because we think, well, is this condemnation? Is this is shame of God? Is, should I be feeling bad about this? I thought I'm a new creation. We get, let me just tell you, it's a, godly sorrow is a good thing. It is good to feel the sorrow of whatever it is in our life that may have displeased the Lord. If there are patterns of sin that God wants to deliver us from, when we have a revelation of the holiness of God, it's a godly sorrow that brings about repentance. And that is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And we see in Hebrews 12, God disciplines us because he loves us as his very own children. Without the fire, the impurities in the metal would never rise to the surface. Let's not fear the terrifying presence of God. There's something that's uncomfortable about a prophetic word that cuts into the heart. Receive it. Receive it. Allow yourself to feel the displeasure of the Lord 
We know his forgiveness. We know the willingness of the Lord to forgive. We know his love. We know his mercy. But let's be okay with feeling and acknowledging there may be parts of my life that the Lord wants to deal with. What are the things that make me prone to jealousy and insecurity, rejection? What is it that where the source of man is rooted, or the, the fear of man is rooted? What's the source of that fear of man that we sometimes feel? What is it that can cause us to make bad money decisions? What is it that can cause us to, to run to images that provoke lust? Why is it that we might be more drawn to social media than the presence and, and the word of God? These are important questions to ask because they begin to reveal what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with in the soul. Holy Spirit, what do you want to cut out of me? What do you, what do you want to remove? Where do you need to do surgery? Finally, our holiness is more about our desire for Jesus than it is about our perfect performance. Submission to the Lordship of Jesus is not about perfection. And so when God says, be holy as I am holy, be perfect as I am perfect, he's speaking not of a pattern of perfection from this point forward, but what he's speaking of is a perfect desire. A, a, a single-hearted pursuit of Jesus. This is why in the Second Chronicles 7 passage, the holiness comes after the humility and the hunger. If we humble our hearts, it's going to provoke us to, to be more hungry for Him. And the more we hunger for Him, the more we walk into holiness. And so the focus really, if we can just make our focus a passionate pursuit of Jesus, just a hunger for him, a recognition that he is to be the most important in our life, then he'll lead us into a holiness. In the Corinthian passage, Paul says, be separate, touch no unclean thing, but the motive, it's an intimate relationship with the Father. He puts before, he puts before the Corinthian church, he says, Come apart, be, be separate, be clean, purify yourself. Why? Because the Father is there waiting for intimate relationship with you. My boys and I like to go fishing sometimes, and especially Ben, who's with the kids today. Alex obviously loves to go fishing. So Nathan and Alex and Ben and I will go fishing, and we'll go to, the, we'll go to Canning Bridge and just enjoy the river and fish for brim. And we'll stop by the, the, uh, the service center, the petrol shop, whatever you call it, station, thank you. Sometimes just words leave you when you're standing up here. And we'll get the little uh, river prawns. We'll take them up to the river. And uh, a couple months ago, we went fishing and we have this little cooler, and 
um, we'll, we'll, sometimes we don't use all the prawns. So we put the prawns back in the cooler and brought it home. And uh, what's supposed to happen is the prawns either get thrown away or they get put somewhere in the bin or in the freezer, whatever. But this time they didn't. I don't know whose responsibility that was. But we decided a couple weeks ago to go fishing again. And Ben went and opened up the cooler, and there was about two-month-old river prawns that were in the cooler that had been baking in the sun because the cooler had been left outside underneath the, the patio thing, but it was still, the light was coming through. There were some hot days. And I tell you, it was the most disgusting smell I have ever smelled. It was like, it was the smell of death. It was the smell of death. I kid you not. And I mean, it was open for just a moment. And the problem was, was like a little bit of the juice that was in there spilled out on the, it was awful. And it's right outside of my office. And I'm sitting in my office and there's this stench of death coming into my office. And I'm like, oh my word. But, and I said, Ben, you have to sort this out. I am not cleaning this. So Ben took it around back and he just starts running the hose into the uh, cooler, the hose of fresh water. And of course he had to get rid of the actual um, prawns that were in there. But you know what was amazing is all he had to do was let that fresh water run in and overflow. Because he was like, I don't want to get my hands down in there and touch it. And, you know, we're not putting any food in this thing, right? So this is the fishing cooler. And it's like, that's fun. So he's just lets the fresh water just roll in, in it and overflow out of it. And given enough time, all of that infilling of just purity just overflows out all the impurities. And before long, he's got this cooler that he brings back that doesn't stink anymore. There's no more stench of death in the cooler because Ben has just taken the time to allow just the, the, the pure water just wash into it. And it's such a great picture of how stench and foul sometimes our life can get, but it, the, the lid's over it. We don't really see it. We don't recognize. Of course, God can smell the stench of death, right? He can smell that thing in us that he's wanting to remove. And then sometimes you'll lift the lid off and we, then we see, ah, oh, and we, we catch that stench. But how does he say to find the cleansing? I love the passage in Galatians 5 that as we walk by the Spirit, it's this picture of being continually filled with the Spirit, walking in close, intimate relationship with the Father in Christ through the Holy Spirit, aligning our life with the Spirit's desires, letting the Spirit wash over us every single morning. We were talking about this on the way in because, you know, we're, we're both wrestling, Nathan and I, we're wrestling with the weight of conviction we're feeling. And it's like, you know, from being at this conference, it's like, well, what do we, how, what do, we do with this? Like, it, you know, like, how do we respond in those moments? And, and I had this picture of this, you know, there's times that we 
We, we can allow the garden to be so overgrown with weeds. And we need these moments where we just come and we just, as the stench of death is, is um, prominent. And as, as we, you know, we can see the overgrowth, God wants to just start cleaning all that stuff out. But, the, but where he wants to get to is where every day, every morning we wake up. Ooh, there's a little something I need to pull. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pull that weed out of my heart right now. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. What else do you want to cleanse in my heart, Jesus? I just want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be like you. I want this to be the resting place of your spirit. I don't want there to be anything that, that, um, that is a stench to you, Father. I don't want there to be anything that would separate me from enjoying the fullness of your presence. God, I know it's sin that separates. And I just feel this is a holy moment for us. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.